Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So what are you worried about? I mean, really, if you were to sit down and get a piece of paper and write down your biggest concerns, what would they be? either personally or collectively. Well, let's just keep it personal. What are you worried about? What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the what's your biggest fear? There's a there's a curious consequence I think to the process of awakening where before you awaken you have this this sense of self of the quote who you are unquote um that for many of us is kind of the anchor the the core of our whole upbringing we establish a sense of self early on and and we don't really deviate much from that but tonight's episode's going to kind of take us out of that scenario and look at a at a bigger picture the topic tonight is human consciousness and spiritual awakening, and our guest tonight is Gina Charles. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But I'd like to go back to that fear, the, the, the continuity of your consciousness is assured. In other words, your ego is not responsible for the continuity of your consciousness. In other words, if you were to go online and research near-death experiences for um, a couple of years, you would have thousands upon thousands of accounts that people have shared that talk about going through the death process and then coming back into physical form. And by and large, the, the root message of, of these events are there's nothing to be afraid of. Death is not anything to be afraid of. Because the continuity of you, the continuity of your consciousness is assured. Your ego can't bugger it up no matter what. You could go push all the bad buttons and pull all the bad levers and try to, quote, tip the cart over, and you would fail at it. Your ego could not end the continuity of who you are. When we were born, we had no ego. We had no sense of of fear of death. We had no stature or posture or belief or um, sense of self, so to speak. That didn't exist, but the, but the source or root consciousness of who we were was there the day we were born. And now fast forward to this day in this time. What are you afraid of? You're going to make it, period, end of story. Certainly at some point 
your soul will disconnect from your body and it'll return to the earth from which it came from. But the essence of you will not suffer any sense of lack or, or, I mean, you can't break yourself when you truly understand this mechanism you can't break yourself. So I think we should get to it because it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Again, the topic tonight is human consciousness and spiritual awakening, and our guest is Gina Charles. Gina is a self-help author, artist, and creator of lifestyle brand New World Living. After four decades of personal spiritual growth, Gina has created and now shares her four-point practice called FUEL, which facilitates spiritual awakening and personal transformation. You can learn more about Gina at GinaCharles, G-I-N-A Charles.com. Join me in welcoming Gina to the show. Welcome to the show, Gina. Hi, Les. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, now, we were talking a little bit um, before the show got started, and you didn't always have this idea of, of working with human consciousness and spiritual awakening. Why don't we start the episode off with a little backstory so we understand your perspective? Can you kind of give us the 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 condensed version of of what brought you to what you're doing now? Sure, uh, I really didn't see it coming, <laughs> uh, even though I had been on my spiritual path, as we said, for many years. Uh, but I'm a former apparel designer. I used to be a fashion designer. I then became a graphic artist. Uh, which lends itself greatly to what I do now, to write and illustrate books and build my website and all that. Um, But I always wanted to be a fashion designer. I never really thought I would ever be a writer. Um, And now I love this uh, as much as I love that. I never thought I could love doing anything else as much. Um, But I should have saw it coming, really. I mean, as a kid, I had lucid dreaming, Uh, I had epiphanies in the lucid dreaming, and uh, I got on that path at a very young age as a teenager. Uh, And then over the years, I've noticed that when life got really tough, like when it knocked me to my knees, uh, I had these certain practices that I would go back to. They became like my go-to practices. And then one day I, I was really moved, inspired, to somehow find a way to simply identify these few practices and package them up. You know, my marketing brain was was working. If I could just package these couple of practices up in some pocket-formed way so that other people that are suffering here in this place we call life, I could just say, here, try, try this. This has pulled me out of a black hole more than once, and it really has never failed me. And that was probably around 2011 or 12. 
And it wasn't until 2015 that I published my second book called Fuel Your Life, A Four-Point Practice to Spiritual Awakening. Um, But these four uh, practices, they really are pocket-sized. In other words, you can do them in your everyday life. Uh, And quickly, FUEL is an acronym. So it stands for Flow Emotion, Practice Unconditional Acceptance, Be the eyewitness to thought and to practice lucidity or to be present in the moment without the mental commentary. And as simplistic as these four practices sound, they're not always easy. (laughs) They might be simple, but they're not always easy. But when we come to these practices with a little bit of courage and some self-honesty, our whole life experience can change. And this has been my experience. Not only has it facilitated the awakening process, which I have recognized, you know, in the throes of all of this, is what I was actually having uh, in the last 10 years or so, and uh, it really has facilitated that. It allows me to step out of the painful stories uh, and I want to specifically point to the fact that we, having this human experience, we have two states of being. Uh, And these two states dictate our entire life experience. Uh, But we have to wake up (laughs) into the awakened state. Uh, And these practices help us facilitate that because the thinking mind, of course, can't decide that it wants to awaken uh, and buy some books and light some candles and it doesn't it doesn't work like that uh, awakening is a series of realizations as far as I've experienced it that rise independently from within um, but like I say it you know if you want to catch the bus you have to go to the bus stop <laughs> so th- these practices bring you to where realization can find you Uh, so that you can have these inner shifts. And these inner shifts are conscious expansion, where that we have, we gain a little bit more clarity every time this happens. Uh, And the more it happens, things around us seem to be the same, but we experience the people, places, and things in our life very differently when we are separated from thought when we recognize that thought and self are two separate things. So I was, uh, you know, I'm very excited and grateful to be able to share this four-point practice um, because I think there are a lot of people right now that that are having an awakening uh, and maybe they don't really understand what's happening to them. It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's like a snow globe and when you shake it, all the things in your life, feel like you know they're they're in upheaval but it's really a precursor to positive change um and we can when we can recognize this of course we're able to lessen uh the pain and suffering of that well now if you were to look at your life before you engaged this process when you were perhaps uh struggling and had a lot of challenges if you were to look at your life then and then in comparison look at your life today, how have you changed as an individual as you've brought on these practices? 
I notice so many things that I did not notice before. And I know that sounds so simplistic, but as the, as truth is, it, it is simplistic. But that changed my whole life experience, specifically where that I now can sense programs trying to fire old behavior, trying to uh, prompt me to get lured into old negative behavior, instead of being swept away by that, I see it as something separate from self. And therefore, it doesn't have that kind of control over me anymore. Before that, when a thought, a fear-based thought came up or I got stuck on a feel-bad story, it owned me. It, it dictated how badly I felt. Uh, now I see the mind, not only what the mind says, but what the mind does. And I noticed that the mind is pretty sneaky and it's pretty sly. It has two priorities. Uh, one is to polish its own mind-made identity. Um, and the other one is to perpetuate activity. So while it's not really a personal thing that the mind doesn't care that what it wants to talk about might put you in the fetal position, <laughs> it doesn't mind. It just wants the activity. So while the eyes blink and the heart beats, that, that's what the mind does. It just wants that activity. Um, and the thing is we are so submersed in thought that we don't notice it as something separate from self. And that is my definition of spiritual awakening. It is not the concept that thought and self are two separate things, but it is the experience of the separation of thought and self, where that the mind actually sees it and therefore it cannot refute it. So it's, that's what this is about, is what the mind gets to see instead of say, because the mind will say anything. Um, and so that's the difference between my life then and now. Now my mind says things, but I notice what it's saying. I see through it. I can hold it up and say, there's no truth to this, or the only way that I could know if this is true is if I had a crystal ball. So, and the mind will say whatever, whatever it has to say in order to perpetuate its activity. Uh, and, you know, we get swept away with that. So, yeah, my life experience is completely different uh, since I'm able to understand that thought is something you could, like, pull out and just hold it at arm's length. You're the observer of the thought. You, what you are is the awareness behind the talking operating system. My thinking mind is my operating system. It is not what I am. And that has changed my whole life experience. Well, nice. You know, a lot of uh, people's lives have been reorganized over the last year and a half or so. And for many people, it's been a very unexpected um, challenge in their life. So you've developed this this four-point system. Um, let's start off with uh, flow emotion. Now, 
take us through uh, a dysfunctional relationship with emotions and then share your insights with the flow emotion concept. Uh, Flowing emotion was something that I started to do maybe about 12 years ago, and (laughs) I experienced trauma releases right away. I mean, it's uh, what we don't process properly, we drag with us through life. I mean, even even little things like something that might have happened in the playground when you were five years old, if it's not properly processed. So what does that mean, properly processed? It's so simple, as truth always is. What do emotions want? They only want to be acknowledged. So now, instead of shunning emotion or holding it at bay, which is something that I had done most of my adult life, um, you know, and this comes from unresolved issues and traumas and things like that, which we've all, we've all had. Uh, but the flowing of the emotion is really sitting back, allowing the emotion to rise and to be acknowledged, so, um, a silent mind. That is the caveat. That's the magic part of it. If we're telling a feel-bad story, we're screwing ourselves further into the ground. But because this is a place of duality, no matter how bad the emotion is or how bad the mind thinks the situation is, we can screw ourselves out of it. <laughs> and and this is how we can do it. And with the flow emotion, the in my experience, the emotion might peak, and instead of having it, you're watching it. You can feel it, and then it starts to dissipate right in the moment like a melting ice cube. Uh, And every time I practice this, especially if it's surrounded by a a story with a lot of steam to it, you know, if if I feel upset by something, that's my first stop is to to process the, the, the emotion. And it's just a matter of being willing to fully feel that emotion. It's like a small child that runs up to you while you're talking, you know, you know, mommy, 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 and you're talking to someone. Uh, it ju- they just want to be acknowledged. Do you, you ever see a child get hurt and they run up to run up to you and you just hug them? There's no talking, no storytelling. It's just it's just that vibe, just for a moment, and then they run off happy. Uh, like that story Eckhart Tolle tells uh, about the the swans when they fight in the pond. After the fight is over, they both vigorously shake their wings out, and then they go about their business. They go right back to the peaceful life that they had. And that's what this is. It allows us to. But naturally, we don't want to feel the feelings, so we push them away. We push them away, and we end up dragging so much with us. Uh, it's no wonder that we feel stagnated and stuck and, and weighed down and let, we can't get airborne in our own lives. Uh, that one practice was very and still is very powerful for, for me. I am now willing to do the thing I wasn't willing to do before because my mind now sees that if I just answer the call of the emotion, it just wants to be acknowledged like a small child. It might peak a little and then it dissipates. And I feel like a weight has been lifted off of my chest. Uh, so it's... It's, it's a simplistic concept, uh, but that's why I say a dose of courage and self-honesty to sit down 
and be willing to just take a step outside of your comfort zone and to feel the emotion outside of any story. It's like taking a, a top off of a boiling pot and letting out the steam. You, you really feel better immediately. It is a very powerful practice. Well, now, if if you have, a, a, say you're in a relationship with a significant other and the, and you've kind of got a habit of wallowing in emotions and and then one side of the equation uh, gets your book and decides to just stop and allow the emotion to express itself and be acknowledged in the moment, as you say, that, that kind of breaks the dynamic up because that, don't people normally have kind of a, a really ingrained kind of habitual reactive pattern to emotions? Like as, as soon as perhaps anger comes up, the, voice, the voices get louder and perhaps there's um, some, some physical... Uh, um, Response. I mean, how, yes, how, how do you? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Yes, that that's true, and that's why the key is to not allow the mind to talk while while we're putting all our attention, our focus on the body. So, in, in other words, if I, if I'm upset about something, I'll come and sit quietly by myself, and I will p- give the emotion, my full attention. I will disconnect myself from the story um, because I know my mind just wants to splash around in activity. It's not getting me anywhere. It's, it's only creating my pain because if I'm, if, if, you know, if I'm telling the story, that's where my pain is coming from. So if I just take a break from that, and I, even if it is anger, if I tell the story, you're right. I'm going to become more angry, angrier and angrier and angrier. Um, but that's, that's the key, is to keep a quiet mind while you give your full attention to the emotion. And when it rises, sometimes I'll feel a burning in my throat. Sometimes you'll do the ugly cry for even maybe a couple of seconds, and then sometimes it turns off like a faucet. You know, you have to surrender to the process, not not allow the mind to dictate it. And then these things, I have experienced these things. These things do happen. I'll feel a little pinch on my shoulder. I put my focus on it. It might move, and I might, uh, I'll tell you, once I, when I first started doing this, I had some kind of trauma release where my head went back and my jaw was chattering like I was freezing. And as it was happening, I'm watching it from the inside thinking, am I having a convulsion or what is happening to me? But it was uh, so natural and there was no fear involved at all. It was like that emotion was like, oh, finally, you're (laughs) you're going to acknowledge me. And after it was over, I felt like an elephant had gotten off of my chest. So, uh, so the key is to just surrender to the process, give your full attention to it, and do not get lost in the story. Well, now, the, the second element is accept unconditionally. And you're talking about not getting lost in the story of emotions, 
does accepting unconditionally tie into the emotions? I mean, explain the the second um, part, the accept unconditionally aspect of this program. Sure. Uh, For me, that was the most difficult uh, practice uh, because I I just couldn't accept things if it wasn't the way that I wanted them to. And I I had a, you know, I had a lot of problems with that. But then I realized that acceptance is is not about liking something and it's not about agreeing with it. That acceptance really is just acknowledging the isness of a circumstance. I mean, people have loss and, and it hurts and I understand that. But it doesn't mean that you like it. It doesn't mean you wanted it. It doesn't mean you agree to it. But you do accept the fact that it happened. And this, again, is another practice of surrender. And, yes, we have to keep uh, that, that third eye on the thinking mind so that the mind doesn't come in and start telling the story that creates the feel-bad feelings and the bad frequency that you're emitting into the universe, that the universe says, oh, you want more of that tomorrow. I, I see that. That's the danger of being unconscious because we're dictating on tomorrows, but nobody's in the cockpit. So, you know, you get whatever's going to wake you up, and, and sometimes it's unpleasant. Um, but acceptance is, is a matter of surrender. This happened. If I'm upset about it, I can flow my emotion. You, sometimes you have to rinse and repeat. You know, things don't disappear maybe the first time you try it. Um, but it, this never has failed me. Uh, and once I took baby steps to learn how to accept the isness of, I mean, there it is. It already is there. This already happened. That's the way it is. I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree with it. But I really do have to join reality in acknowledging that it happened. And basically, that's really the whole practice of, of acceptance is just coming into reality instead of being held at captive in resistance you know if we didn't want something to happen if we can just get to that point of surrender where we accept that it happened we we yes it might change our lives and yes we might hate it that's okay but we have to join reality and surrender to the fact that it actually happened um and it really works miracles you know every time i step up to doing these things um, and it's not always easy. Something good always happens. Something good always happens from it. And, of course, I don't do it so that I can make something good happen, I, but I've learned that when I surrender to what is, uh, things shift. I mean, the universe really does rise to meet me, but I do have to meet it halfway, and that's one of the ways uh, that I do it. You've mentioned a couple of times now about um, being aware of of your mind jumping in and starting up stories, starting up the repetitive pattern, um, with the the third element being the eyewitness. Can you talk about what is this consciousness that you speak of, <laughs> where? Where your your chatty mind is an, uh, like a subset or an element that you're aware of, isn't our busy mind and our only mind one and the same? 
I see us in this human experience as a three-part team. You know, like if you go to the moon, you have to gear up. And so we we decided to have this human adventure, and, and we have gear. In other words, our thinking mind is the operating system. The body is the vehicle and the container. And we're the electricity that animates this human experience. I am the awareness behind the chatty operating system. I'm not the operating system. The thinking mind, the part that calls itself Gina, is, my, is an invaluable tool. But over time, the thinking mind gave itself a name and an identity. Uh, and because culture doesn't really point to who we really are and where we are and how this place works, we're so submersed in thinking on a daily basis that we don't, we don't readily understand that you're the part that notices it, the part of your soul like you opened the show with when you spoke about how your soul will detach from your body. So that's the clarity that I have at this point. That's who you really are is the soul or the awareness behind all the moving parts. And that is the thinking mind or the operating system and the body. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the whole kit and caboodle here. In other words, we have two states of being. We are either submersed in thought unawares or we're watching thought. Those are the only two states we have here in this place of duality. And that is what a spiritual awakening is. It's going beyond the concept of understanding that thought uh, and self are two separate things and having the experience that thought and self are two separate things. So I do notice the mind speaking. And, I, and after a while, after you practice being the eyewitness to thought, you'll start to notice how many things the mind says that's completely unnecessary, that's negative. Um, you know, according to the National Science Foundation, we have uh, roughly 60,000 thoughts a day. And when I realized that most of us could never answer the question, well, how many of those thoughts that you had in this day, how many were positive? No, nobody could answer that question. How many were negative? How many were in the highest good of all? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> so if you are having roughly 60,000 thoughts a day and we really can't account for them, there's a problem and therein lies unconsciousness. You know, it's like asking a fish, how's the water? The, water, the fish is like, what's she talking about? What water? <laughs> you know, we're so right. submersed in thought, we don't notice that the mind never shuts up. Well, now, if if somebody's kind of, I mean, I, I feel a lot of humanity is is interested in, oh, I don't know, spirituality or or metaphysics. Since uh, there's been so much upheaval, it it's kind of been the alarm clock for a lot of people this this last year and a half or so. And and now they come and listen to this show, they might not have a sense of um, an observer and the thinking mind. I mean, how do you even begin to discern between the two? How do you, what kind of a practice can you start to even get clarity between those two? 
Well, I always say out of the four practices of fuel, you get the biggest bang for your buck with practicing being the eyewitness to thought. And literally how I would practice that is, and I still do it sometimes, I'll put little post-it notes. Um, For example, let's say in the morning you open the cabinet in the bathroom and you're going to brush your teeth, but you're really not in the bathroom. You're thinking about getting to the office or what's going to happen later and you know but when you uh, if you put a little post a note or something to remind you in the moment set an alarm or you put a little dot on your arm like where there's a will there's a way to continue to wake yourself up in the moment and the more that we use that muscle to practice reminding ourselves because you're you're asking the ultimate question really and what you're asking is how do we wake ourselves up when we're sleeping (laughs) that is the ultimate human experience question the mind cannot wake itself up when it is submersed in its own activity Uh, this is consciousness rising for us to wake up in the moment but that doesn't mean that the mind can't be clever enough to facilitate it and that's what i call going going to the bus stop you know bring yourself to the place where that realization is going to rise even if you do have to put a little post-it note up Uh, and the more you make these little efforts you start noticing you start waking up in the moment on your own it starts happening by itself because this is really our innate state it is our authenticity uh, to be the eyewitness to thought not to be submersed in a talking mind and and not realize it Um, so yeah that that's what these little these and also the L in fuel is lucidity and that's another practice where you can do that really anywhere I mean let's say you're driving your car instead of talking in the head you practice perceiving your surroundings and you keep one eye on that mind, and you'll notice how the mind wants to have an opinion about everything. Why can't I look at the sky without the mind saying, oh, it's a pretty blue, but I think it should be darker. I don't really like it. You know, it's difficult at first if you've never done it, but it's not impossible because it's our natural state of being to be, <laughs> just to be. Uh, we have a culture that promotes doing, 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 and we wonder why we're so stressed out. The human experience requires a balance of being and doing. Um, And because our culture doesn't support it doesn't mean that we can't resonate with our own well-being. This is in our well-being to be able to step outside of that constant mental commentary. And like I say, you do whatever it takes. You, you just put, you put little reminders around, you can set an alarm, and you wake yourself up in the moment. And little by little, you'll notice that it starts happening all by itself. You start noticing thought. You know, I, I was working with, with someone, and she called me one day, and she said, you know, we've been talking about this for two years, and I was driving around in the car, and all of a sudden it hit me. That thought and self are separate, <laughs> you know, that she had um, an experience of it. She went beyond the analytical understanding to, into this experience where her mind actually saw it. It didn't just say it. Um, and these are precious, precious moments of conscious expansion. That, that is what conscious expansion is, these realizations that, that rise up. Um, and so, right, the minds can't make it happen, but these practices – 
can facilitate it. And we could work that muscle until it starts working for us. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it, it starts with the intention, and then uh, when you apply the practice, you're taking your awareness and you're intending to um, to have the experience. So, so yes, indeed, it, it it makes a lot of sense. Now, when we talk about stepping into lucidity the lucid aspect of our consciousness. I mean, that's that's really a, um, it's, it's almost like a nonlinear or etherical realm of, of consciousness compared to the, the matter-of-fact 3D world that we live in. Can you kind of just um, give us an introductory to the notion of lucidity and and your experience with it? Sure. Uh, what I call lucidity in terms of the, these practices is to take in or perceive your surroundings, wherever that might be, without the mental commentary. To Let's say you're sitting in a park. You just take it in. And watch the mind constantly want to comment on what it's seeing, what it's feeling, or, or story. It is to keep the mind quiet for as many seconds as you can while you experience the sky. You experience the person you're speaking to. You give your full attention to something with the mind not speaking at all. And it sounds simplistic, but <laughs> it's not easy if you haven't done it before. Um, but the good news is that that's your natural state anyway. So it's not something that you can't a, – a, if a mind says, oh, I can never do that, that's not true. This is our natural state. Yes, you can be in a peaceful mode. And if you give your full attention – see, our attention is our magic wand. Our attention ignites things to manifest into our life our attention is our power when we tension on rote thinking and behavior it controls us when we take our attention back from the story that's pulling and luring us to to, to come back into it when we take our attention back now we're in the seat of our own power. Now we have pulled our magic wand, our power, our awareness outside of that constant innate, meant that, that constant mental commentary. And we are now connected to higher intelligence. I mean, our higher intelligence does have a crystal ball. It knows what's in our, our highest good. Um, it's intuition. It's God talking to, to us instead of the mind always talking. It's plugged into our power. Uh, and so these little practices bring us closer uh, to the ability that we all have. We have these skills and these abilities. They're innate. Uh, it's just we haven't been – we've been pointed in the opposite direction. And why is that? I mean – I think if the powers that be understood what we were talking about here tonight, um, and maybe to some extent they do, they would recognize that if we were awake, uh, 
and aware of our own skills and abilities, we would be far less programmable. You would not be able to be programmed. Uh, you, you're able to, to think for yourself. Um, so it's a practice that at first might seem difficult, but it gets easier every time you do it. And if you could sit and perceive your surroundings with no talking in the head for even three seconds, then that means you could do it. And then it goes to five seconds and it goes to five minutes and it goes to a few minutes. And when you can, by doing this, we connect with that underlying peace that is always underneath all the mind's chaos. It's always there. We're just not connected to it. These practices enable us to get back to that. And, in, and, and you know, like Jesus said in the Bible, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is within. Uh, these practices lead to moments of enlightenment, um, kensho, satori, as, as it might be referred to. These moments of enlightenment that are euphoric. I mean, I've had those experiences as well. Uh, the longest minds ever lasted was <clears throat> almost a week. Uh, and that's why I always say there's two ways to have the human experience. Uh, I mean, I would love to have stayed in that state every single moment. Um, and to, to, to get back to that, to have that feeling, to be in the seat of my own power, to be connected with that underlying peace, to take a step, in, one step after the other in life in acceptance of what is to bypass pain and suffering, it's worth me doing, making these little efforts to work those muscles uh, to where I can take my attention back and apply and connect it again to reality, the present moment reality, not the mind's version of reality. That's what lucidity is if we're just taking in the reality of the moment without the mind's interpretation. It's to join reality. Uh, and the mind doesn't like it, and the mind will probably resist it, but uh, the mind is not in control. This is, this is our human experience. Uh, and when we recognize that the mind is a tool, uh, it changes everything. It really changes everything. You know, to know it's not that I'm exempt from pain and suffering. Uh, it's that I know how if I do trip, I can get up. I, I know um, what's real and what's not real. And that makes all the difference. Well, when you talk about uh, shifting your awareness, for many people, they, they've been living their life completely and totally in their mind, in their busy mind. And then you just shared with us uh, a duration of about a week where you've stepped out of the mind. And, and you mentioned that there's a, a enlightenment or a higher wisdom. How does, I mean... If we go from our ego mind to connecting to a higher wisdom, how has that changed your life, your living, your decisions, your choices, as far as how you navigate your life? What changed about that? It got a lot easier. <laughs> it got a lot easier and it got less painful. That's basically it in a nutshell. Um, I'll give you a small example of something that came up last week and it seemed as if I should be worried about it and I should probably do something about it and 
what was it? Oh, it was, uh, I, I had written a check and the guy lost the check and we couldn't find the check and we were going crazy looking for the check. And then I just woke up for a second and I said, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Uh, I'm going to let go of this. And if I do have to put a stop payment on the check, I'm going to know it when it's necessary. Now, again, this sounds simplistic, but it, it's very difficult to let it go. That's very difficult when something seems pressing to the thinking mind. But this is where surrender comes in. There is the concept of faith, and then there is practicing faith. And that's this is a practice of faith. If I step away from it and say, I'm going to trust my higher self that when and if I have to make a move on this, I'm going to know about it. And until that time, I'm going to leave it alone. This was something I could never do before. I had to inch my way. And that's the good thing about this. We can baby step our way out of our own pain and suffering. It doesn't have to be in one fell swoop. We don't have to contort ourselves. Or <laughs> This is a baby step kind of process. Um, and it took me a long way. And every time, Les, every time I do this, I, ha- I have to say, every time I successfully let it, let it go and just be willing to practice the faith that I, like I said, that, that epiphany I had years ago where that this place has a force behind it, whether you call it God or the universe. It has us. It has us in the palm of its hand. But I had to go beyond the definition of faith and learn how to actually practice it. And in the moment, it's difficult. Um, but I did that. And I and I I swear this happened. I went outside to water the plants. <laughs> and when I came back in the house, that check was sticking out from under the oven. Apparently, he must have dropped it in the kitchen, but I had been in there. I had swept the floor. I had seen how it came out from under the oven. No explanation. <laughs> but things like that have happened to me countless number of times after I was able to surrender to what is and trusting that my higher self will tell me what to do next. I have to just step out of the thinking, rambling mind, and then I'm going to have clarity as to what to do. But I didn't need the clarity as to what to do because the universe said, hey, nice job on the acceptance. Here's that check you were looking for. (laughs) Nice. Well, very nice. Well, it sounds like you end up going through life empty. I mean, you could have worried about that check the whole time, but to to surrender, to take things that are in our in our mind, like I got to get gas for the car, I got to do this, where's that check? I mean, all the things that we juggle with our busy mind. And when you talk about surrender, it, it seems like a uh, a detachment. How how do you balance that detachment and still be quote responsible unquote for your life? Yeah, I know. I noticed exactly what you're saying is what my mind said to me. Wait a minute. How could you let these things go? We have to be on top of it. I have all these. Re- the mind is going to lock and load, right? It locks and loads with reasoning, and then it rapid fires all the reasoning, all the reasons why you should 
continue to allow it to splash around in activity. Um, and it is hard to separate, but I don't fall for that fear-based talking anymore from my thinking mind. Um, we're the most powerful thing here. <laughs> so uh, letting it go in faith uh, is something we can totally do because no, we're not really asking ourselves to be – uh, to be aloof or to just be irresponsible. The mind is uh, supposed to execute for us or to take consideration like we, I need gas or I have to buy this at the store or whatever that is. Um, but the rest of it is completely unnecessary. You know, the mind is supposed to be our assistant to, uh, to do the technical things, to remember those kind of things. Um, but the rest of it is just completely unnecessary. Uh, and it's not... It's like a free-falling feeling, or at least it was for me. It just was, oh, my gosh, how could I, how could I not think about this? How can I not worry about these things? Uh, something bad's going to happen. I just don't believe that anymore. I, I trust that I'm going to still be able to be responsible. I'm still not going to run out of gas. <laughs> I'm still going to have bread in the fridge. <laughs> um, and I can still, when something comes up, that's upsetting me or seems troubling, I can use reasoning and discernment uh, and, you know, so that I don't get stranded or some stupid thing like that might happen to me. No, we're, we're the most powerful thing here. Uh, we can absolutely figure out, figure it, feel it out, really, I should say, uh, how to practice these things and how to trust your gut your your higher self, your intuition, it's all, it's all the same. The high, your higher intelligence uh, is to trust that. And, again, I, I used to hate baby steps, you know, because if I started something, I wanted to get there yesterday. But I love these baby steps because when something is difficult, uh, you could really baby step your way to it until you start to get used to it. And this this is no exception, so baby steps are really invaluable when we're asking ourselves to do something that makes us feel unnerved or like I'm free-falling, you know, like if I don't do this, something bad's going to happen. That's not true. I mean, granted, if your house is on fire, you really should get the hose and put it out. But <laughs> you shouldn't wait for your higher self to say anything. But, you know, we're smarter than that. Um, I, think we, I think we really couldn't handle it with no, no problem. That's one thing we, we really have to remember. When a person is suffering, you're the most powerful thing here. If, you know, I used to remind myself all the time, you know, Gina, if somebody clunked you over the head and that story fell out, who would you be? I would be peaceful. I would be fine. I would be perfect in the moment. Everything would be okay. Oh, so you don't really have any problems. You just can't, that's the story that the mind keeps telling is where it's actually coming from. Um, so, you know, these things remind me that it is okay to step back and practice surrender uh, and, let, and let the thinking mind just see reality and then it starts to slow down. Then it stops saying those things. Because once the mind sees for itself, it can't lie anymore. Oh, nice. Well, now let's turn the spotlight on to you. Now you've written the Fuel Your Life workbook. Share with the audience your whole platform. Do you work with people? Do you do one-on-ones? Um, 
uh, tell us uh, the whole picture behind who you are and what services you offer. Well, right now, uh, my website is GinaCharles.com. Uh, I have a blog, and um, I, I'm, I hope it's really helping people. I do videos. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, and yes, recently, most recently, a couple of months back, I wrote Fuel the Workbook. So it takes these four practices and it puts it in action. Um, and uh, it has places for you to write your experiences in the book. It's a 33-page PDF. And right now, um, it's, it's only available on my website. <clears throat> and I brought the price down to zero. For any of your listeners that might be interested, they can download the workbook for free until the end of the month. And um, you just go to GinaCharles.com slash shop. Uh, it's in my shop, and you'll see the workbook there. You put it in the cart, and you check out, and you can download it for free. Um, I also have NewWorldLiving.net. Uh, and my artwork, I have spiritual artwork and positive artwork on apparel and accessories. Um, <clears throat> that's like my baby, you know, my my beloved project is my uh, New World Apparel. It's like a little bit of my old life, you know, with uh, fashion and all that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I do work one-on-one -on -one with people, and people can contact me through the contact form on my website if they're interested in that. Um, but, yeah, and I do have books, and they're on all the major retailers. Well, nice. Well, now, if somebody wanted to do some one-on-one -on -one with you, who's your ideal client? Uh, a person that resonates with what we're saying. Sometimes people don't really understand it, but there's a pull, some kind of like a magnetic pull that they're interested in it. Um, these people are starting to awaken. And also people that are in, that are in the awakening process. And sometimes it could be a little difficult. And um, these, these practices really facilitate that. Um, that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Because anyone else that, um, you know, it's like uh, fruit. We all ripen in our own time. And we're all exactly where we're supposed to be. You know, whether we're awakening or not, we're, we're all exactly where we're supposed to be. But my ideal person to work with would be uh, someone that really resonates with this and wants to learn more. Uh, or is already in the awakening process. Nice. Well, now, is, do you see yourself uh, still evolving, or have you kind of reached the the promised land? I mean, I mean, is is this awakening an ongoing thing, or or do you feel like you've found your home? Yeah. No, it's absolutely an ongoing thing for me. I can see people like uh, Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie, who seems to have had their um, personality, their ego, their their thinking mind is almost completely dissolved. I'm I'm not that. Um, this is a process. The clarity that I've gained doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't exempt me from falling unconscious. But the difference is, I notice it. And I'm able to step out of my own pain and suffering. And there are so many people suffering for so many reasons now that I really want to let them understand you can step out of your own pain and suffering. You're the most powerful thing here, and you're totally able to do it. Well, very nice. Well, an hour goes by pretty fast. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Yeah, I just, um, <clears throat> just want to say, 
to stay strong in this time because uh, we are going through what what we're calling the great awakening at this time. It seems like the whole globe is in upheaval. And collectively, this is the beginning of a new world. And like your radio show's name, we're becoming new humans in this new time. And this information is that we're speaking here tonight and the work that you do, Les, is invaluable at this time. And I, I just want to say to anyone out there that's struggling in any way, don't ever give up hope. You're the most powerful thing there is. And you can turn everything around. Well, very nice. Well, Gina, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And so have I. Thank you so much, Les. I really appreciate it. We've been talking with Gina Charles, and the topic tonight is human consciousness and spiritual awakening. It, you know, it is really a dynamic time in our in our human history, and for many of us, the upheaval the upheaval of the collective has kind of um, I don't know rocked the boat in the sense that a lot of times we want something that's consistent and sure and kind of a go-to kind of thing as far as. Uh, feeling confident about our life, feeling like um, life is navigatable, so to speak. But with so much upheaval in the in the collective, so many things are getting turned over. It, it's like the rototiller going through the proverbial garden, uh, digging up our shadow, so to speak. For for many people, it it's hard to. Uh, to feel grounded when there's so much change. But what Gina has pointed out so so well is that the, the universe has got our back. The, there's, there's a higher wisdom. There's a higher order or structure that's playing out. And sometimes we get lost in the tsunami. Um, we're, we're too close to the chaos. And Gina has presented really with four simple steps, a way to teach ourselves, to discipline ourselves, to to have some resilience, to have some sailor's lake, so to speak, where when the upheaval that's invariably going to come more and more, we don't have to lose our sense of self. We don't have to feel like we're doing cartwheels in the storm. You know, it's it's my pleasure, it's my passion to bring you episodes to to load up your toolbox to give you a more authentic sense of self. Sure, it's very um, unnerving times for many people, but it's also a time of immense change. It's also a time for immense opportunity. Um, there's so much opportunity that's making itself available that just didn't exist a couple of years ago. We're going to really be writing a brand new narrative for the future of humanity. So pay attention to your soul. Pay attention to your purpose. Trust your path. You're here for a reason. 
and you're here listening to the show, showing up for yourself. I applaud you, the listener, for taking the steps to grow who you are. I'm I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. I want to thank you for sharing this time with us. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.